What's up, everybody? You're hanging in the dummy room. I'm Jody Have Not, joined, as always, by Mr. Nate Demmel. What's up, Nate? Uh, not much, man. I'm good. It's Christmas. Um, it's Christmas time, so Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever to you, and uh, hope all is well for you and the family, of course. And to you as well. This is um, episode number 33, the, the Dummy Room Christmas special, right? Yeah. Dummy Room Xmas special, or Kwanzaa special, Hanukkah special, holiday special. Maybe that's what we'll call holiday it. special. Let's go with that. <laughs> that's a catch-all. Yeah. Anybody listening knows that neither one of us are hugely into Christmas music or anything like that. But um, I just don't care about it, you know. But yeah, um, I'm not really into it either. I like a couple Christmas songs, but uh, so do you have a favorite Christmas song, dude? Well, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't like, I don't want the uh, punked out version of Silent Night or Jingle Bells or anything like that. But um, I'd say my favorite one is it's got to be um, Merry Christmas. I don't want to fight tonight. Merry Christmas. I don't want to fight tonight with. I love that song because it's you know it's it's Christmassy. He talks about Rudolph and Blitzen or whatever, but yeah. still, it's just like you know a dysfunctional family and just let's just get along <laughs> one fucking day out of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What totally. about you, man? Well, you know, I do love the Descendants' Christmas Vacation.
Christmas records sometime in the early 60s and there's this fucking great song called Christmas like baby please come home you know that one you've heard it your whole life and it totally rules Joey even covered it Joey Ramone but I prefer the original Around. Baby, please come home. 
it does have that Wallace sound, you know, Phil Spector sound, but it's just my favorite Christmas, like old school Christmas song. I never get tired of it either. But when I hear it, like if I'm out shopping somewhere or whatever, they never play that version. I always hear like, I think Mariah Carey or somebody did it, you know? Yeah, I think so you're right. So you never hear the like the classic good version, but that original one is fucking, it's brilliant, dude. It rules. And I could see why Joey Ramone wanted to cover it, you know what I mean? That's probably my favorite, but uh, but I'm like you. I don't want to hear, I mean, I do like the Dickie Silent Night, but I don't need to hear, like some like you said, a punked out version of any Jingle Bells, <laughs> Rudolph, any of that shit. No, um, my wife is super into Christmas music, and, you know, we've got the the radio station up here that plays 24 hours nonstop Christmas music. Yeah. And they used to play like everything. So you'd get the classic version of this. You'd get the Mariah Carey version. You'd get the, the fucking strange brew, um, you know, 12 days of Christmas yeah. one. You would get all that stuff. But it seems like this year, um, it's, it's just pretty much the, the, the classic stuff. You don't get any of the, the real goofy stuff in there. Yeah. So, but yeah, it gets old. Another one that I do like, I know it's I it's contradictory to what I just said before, but have you ever heard Joan Jett's version of Little Drummer Boy? Yeah. I yeah. do love that, man. That's a good <laughs> I one. I know it's kinda corny, but I love it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, man. I don't know. I just I get I get burned out on that stuff. Oh yeah, big time. And they start it at like before Halloween, it seems before like before Halloween, it's yeah, nuts, yeah. dude. <laughs> You yep. think about that song, uh, I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus? Like, yeah. It's kind of creepy. Some yeah, guy that's... just comes in down the chimney dressed up and, like, fucking around with your mom. What the hell? There's some um, there's some really funny spoof spoof ones of that. Like, uh, I Saw Mommy Sucking Santa's Balls. Have you ever heard? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> yeah, I have. Oh, so. gosh. Is it? Pretty close to the original, <laughs> just kind of like a Weird Al version or whatever. Well, well, the different lyrics, of course, yeah, but yeah, just yeah. dirty, dirty Santa shit. I saw mommy blowing Santa Claus sucking on his candy cane all night. <laughs> <laughs> It's so, creepy, the whole notion that some dude in some suit is going <laughs> to sneak down your chimney and you're supposed to leave this motherfucker some cookies and all that stuff. I always found that to be kind of creepy. I was When I was a kid, like I would be afraid thinking that might happen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, uh, what's your favorite uh, Christmas movie? You watch any? We just watched, as a family the other night, watched the first two Home Alones because the kids had never really been like old enough to sit down and appreciate it, you know? So that was mm-hmm. kind of cool. I watched yeah. one the other night. It was a new movie. Um, Might be my new favorite Christmas movie, but I cannot remember what the fuck it is called at the, off the top of my head. It was good, though, man. It was kind of like a, a revenge. Oh, it was called Peppermint, I think. Yeah, Peppermint. It was pretty good. Mm. I don't know if I know that one. It's kind of like um, a, a girl's done wrong and she goes, and it's kind of like a Kill Bill revenge type of thing. It's pretty okay. cool. Yeah, I, li- I like uh, I like the Home Alones, um, but I think I, I got to go, uh, 
I gotta go with Christmas Vacation, man. I fucking love that movie. The movie is hilarious. So we used to watch that with uh, with my daughter. My daughter's, um, she's eleven now, but she's you know she's developed um, a bit of a potty mouth over the years, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and um, she's not terrible or anything, but you know that part in that movie when he says, uh, "Oh, what's he say? Something about." Bing fucking Crosby. And we're going to have the hap, hap, happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny fucking K. At the end, he's going off on his little rant. Yeah. Anyways, my, <laughs> my dog used to know that part by heart, you know? And, uh, <laughs> like, we'd watch it when she was young, and she was, you know, she just never really paid attention, we thought, you know? Well, she did. So she knew that whole rant by heart, and so every time it would come on, well, one time it came on, and she just belted it out fucking hilarious you know but <laughs> yeah we try to that's the moment when you realize as a parent yeah you got to start kind of <laughs> censoring stuff a little bit more you know yeah so, but that movie is um i think it's pg but that's that's one of those movies it's like late 80s pg right so there's still some some language in there so totally yeah it's uh still a classic though you know it's a funny one. Yep. This year we haven't been on too much of a... Normally by now I could have told you I watched Gremlins and all types of Die Hard yeah, yeah. and all this stuff, but... <laughs> we, dude, we bought Die Hard the other day. It was like, it was in the $3 bin That's at Target, up. I think, or something like that. And my wife's just like, yeah, we should watch that. And I'm like, that's not a Christmas movie, you know? <laughs> that's not her definition of a Christmas <laughs> movie, you know? So, yeah, we yeah, bought it. We it's not the it, but... most Christmassy of films. <laughs> I remember this one called Silent Night, Deadly Night when I was a kid that yep. I liked. It was all right. I haven't seen it in a long time though. I wouldn't. I don't really remember that much about it, other than yep. the title and like the what the VHS box looked like. <laughs> you know. Yep. I got to do the uh, my traditional watch bad Santa. There you go. My brother and I, um, you know, we're we're pretty much completely different people. But years back when Bad Santa first came out, we went to it together. <laughs> Yeah, me and our our wives and us all went, and um, he, you know, smuggled in like a six pack of beer, <laughs> or maybe a twelve pack. I don't remember, but they were bottles, <laughs> and we're drinking during the movie, and <laughs> we had all these bottles, you know, at our feet basically. And at some point, um, they all got knocked over, oh, and you shit. could just fucking hear them all rolling down. <laughs> <laughs> clanging in the seats oh, there was like shit. nobody there was like you know there's like a few other couples there but it was fucking hilarious because it went on for like 30 seconds just bottles rolling <laughs> it was great man it's great but yeah i love that movie it's fucking hilarious yeah that's pretty good not a big fan of the christmas movies but i like them every once in a while this year we've been slacking we've just been too damn busy you know yeah we've been my wife was all depressed about it last night, actually, because Christmas came up so fast, and we yeah, just haven't dude. had time to do shit, so. It has seemed like it just crept up, like, super fast this year. Just like, boom, here it is. Yeah, so uh, we have a special, special show tonight for the Christmas show. It is, um, our guest is going to be none other than uh, Dan Panic. Hell yeah, Danny Panic on the dummy room. Yeah, uh, my favorite drummer, you know, dude, uh, Screeching Weasel, Riverdale's, Queers, you know, Ghoulies, um, 
Yeah, I've, I I actually went and looked for um, some interviews with him. <laughs> uh, you know, Googled it, and there just aren't any out there. So, which is kind of cool that, you know, we get to talk to somebody that, you know, doesn't talk a lot, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about it, man. It's going to be cool. Yeah, I'm probably going to geek out a little bit, go fanboy, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> no one will hold it against you, man. This guy's a fucking legend, you know, on so many albums that we still love, you know, to this day that are a big part of what we do here. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was it was weird because, you know, we did, um, you know, obviously we we did Ben, and during that week I was totally in weasel mode. And that's all I listened to. And then the next episode, we did another Weasel show, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I like, listened to almost nothing but Screeching Weasel for like two weeks. And then like we had a break for a while, you know, the termites. And, you know, I listened to Go-Go's for days, you know? Yeah. And then this past week, it's been like back to Weasel mode, you know, all <laughs> excited. You know? So I'm listening to my brain it's an anthem and wiggle over and over, you know? Hell yeah. And, yeah, I actually did end up listening to... um. Uh, First World too, you know, and I don't listen to that record a lot. Yeah, and I, you know, listening to it, you know, integrated with those classic records, I really like that record more now. And now I think if I had to go back and rank the Weasel records, I'm gonna go um, First World Manifesto right after Bark Like a Dog. So it, it you know, yeah. ahead of Teen Punk's Emo, of course, you know. And it might be even better than fucking Bark Like a Dog. Yeah. I haven't listened to that Maybe. one that much lately. Maybe. I, I really like I mean, I've I've always liked it, but I don't know. Like I said, when I when you're listening to it right alongside those classic records, man, it's it's good, you know. The only thing that bothers I won't go into it now. We'll talk about it some other time, but <laughs> Yeah. Right Anyways, um yeah. Total Weasel mode, and really excited to uh, to talk to uh, Dan Panic. So, should we just should we get right into it? Yeah, let's do it. So, happy holidays from the dummy room to you. You know, we really wanted to have something cool to give you guys for Christmas, and I think we do. So, we want you to go ahead, unwrap it, hit play, check it out. We got Danny Panic in the dummy room. Happy holidays. Yeah. We have news for beautiful people. There's a lot more of us in our view. Any of you that have ever felt stepped on, left out, picked on, put down, why don't you just come down here and join us, okay? Okay, we are here with my favorite drummer of all time and uh, the reason why I tried to play drums uh, a few years back. And I also named a cat after him. Hope it's not too creepy for you, Dan, but uh, how's it going tonight? Uh, great. Uh, I love cats, so I'm honored. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, 19, probably 1995. I was just out of high school, and a buddy of mine's, uh, he gave me a cat. And I gave it to my mom, and I named it Panic, after you. Hopefully, and, it, was uh, hopefully it was better behaved than I was. <laughs> he was completely bombastic. I mean, this, <laughs> this, this cat jumped off the second balcony at my mom's apartment. Like, the first day we took him there, just jumped off, ran around, had a complete shit fit, and, yeah, the name kind of stuck, and it definitely fit, so. I see the namesake has traveled afar and uh, stuck to its integrity, <laughs> or lack of. 
<laughs> uh, wow. Um, yeah, and, and like you, I've tried playing drums as well. So uh, <laughs> to, uh, you know, various uh, various forms of success, I suppose, or, or not, I'm not sure. <laughs> right. To us, I mean, you've been in multiple legendary bands, you know what I mean? It's, it's pretty cool, man. I think you've done pretty well. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I- yeah, I never, you know, it was, I never expected to do anything with music. So uh, it was something I always wanted to do. And having the opportunity to have played in the bands that I've played in, the people I've played with, uh, the places I've been able to travel, um, the friendships I've developed through that. I mean, I'm really grateful. And, you know, there's times when, you know, being in a band can be an albatross. Um, you know, it's not as romantic as people assume. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I'm really grateful for the opportunities that I've had. And that's, you know, 20 odd years later, um, people are still interested in those albums. I mean, I didn't have a huge ha- hand in them i i had uh you know part in them i'm not going to give myself a ton of accolades like well i did this and i did that but you know i'm forever grateful for you know for it and there there are times when i get a little you know pissy and whatnot and, and moany but for the most part i'm uh you know at the end of the day i'm really grateful that's cool cool can we take it all the way back to when you first decided you were going to play drums like what turned you on to wanting to be a drummer dude okay sorry um hey man i love built-in sound effects that's where it's at thank you that saves me a step in editing so thank you (laughs) (laughs) um well what interested me in drumming was uh five years old i had um my parents and i were living in the on the south side of chicago in an apartment above a tavern and the TV was on, and it was a. We had a small television, black and white, and they were showing the Ed Sullivan show, the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show. And for some reason, just that shot of Ringo playing, I'm like, I want to do that someday. And so that was. It took much longer for that to to happen but that was the initial impetus for me to wanting to play drums wow so what year was this in dan this wasn't uh, like in the, when it was on originally in the 60s right because no. <laughs> that's kind of like the uh you know all the all the people in the 70s were like i saw the beatles on ed sullivan that's what made me you know i just thought found so this was no, just like was a, a rebroadcast was, sometime in the 80s or something a retrospective of the beatles so it was the right. 70s okay. and uh, but uh but i just realized right then and there that was something i wanted to at least to attempt to try to do at some form or, or another Cool. So Ringo is uh, the reason why I started playing drums. You can either thank him or blame him, uh, <laughs> depending on uh, there are detractors out there who are like, well, you still haven't learned how to play the damn drums yet, so uh, <laughs> back to the drawing board. But uh, be that as it may, Ringo was the reason why I started to play drums. And just as a side note, um, I grew up uh, Catholic. 
and I went to a Catholic preschool on the south side of Chicago. And I was originally left-handed, and they took a ruler and would beat my left hand with the ruler and force me to write my right. And so when I learned, when I was teaching myself how to play drums, this is how little I knew about it, was like, oh, well, drum sets, I uh, see all the drummers setting up like a right-handed drummer. Right. So I thought, oh, I guess that's the way you do it. Um, it wasn't until I was in the Groovy Ghoulies when another drummer asked me, are you left-handed? I said, well, I used to be. Why? It's like, because I noticed you play a right-handed drum kit, but you start all your drum fills with your left hand. Huh. Isn't that a lot more work? And, I, and I'm like, I don't know. That's just the way, <laughs> that's just the right. way I did it. That's what Ringo Starr did too, man. I actually saw a documentary where he was talking about that. Yeah, so when I started playing drums, that's how I learned. I took my vinyl Beatles records and Rolling Stones records, and I would put headphones on, and I would just drum along to them. And Ringo's drum fills came really natural to me. Right on. And I didn't know until years later um, when he was on the Conan O'Brien show and he was talking about it. And I'm like, ah! So another... Yeah, it all clicked. And we both grew up really sick as children, too, in and out of hospitals. So I have an affinity for Ringo. Yeah, Ringo's cool, man. What's your favorite, like, Ringo beat? Like, fucking Paperback Rider or something? Oh, I boy. I love that one. It's just so heavy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Ticket to Ride, Paperback Rider, his drum fills on A Day in the Life. Um, yeah. Really musical. Uh, I don't know. I mean... Funnily enough, though, one of my favorite drum tracks is actually by Paul, uh, Dear Prudence. Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah, McCartney's no joke either, man, you know? No. Lefty as well, right? Yep. <laughs> I And I know I'm going to create sacrilege here, but if I had to choose the Beatles or the Ramones, I'd have to choose the Beatles. They're uh, the musical life. I know I'm going to, yeah, yeah, I've always gotten shit for that uh, in the <laughs> I get I'll it, do, dude. All right. All right. Well, I can go a little fanboy. I would choose Screeching Weasel over both. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that kind of leads me into... we got to fast forward a little bit. How did you end up uh, getting in Screeching Weasel? So that happened... Uh, I'll try to be as concise as I possibly can. I can get really long-winded as everyone has uh, discovered already. Uh, but I was in a punk band called Ivy League. Mm -hmm. And we were around for about a little over a year. We recorded a song for a compilation called Octung Chicago for Underdog Records.
and Ben and John were partners in this record company. Right. And we were asked to be on this compilation. And they had the bands come in late at night, a graveyard shift, basically, to record these songs for this compilation because it was cheaper. And that's where I met Ben and John, only to find out much later when I was when we were trying to sound check the drums in the studio that John had come up to our singer and said, we're going to steal your drummer. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so I was kind of blown away because to me, I really liked uh, the melodic aspect of Screeching Weasel. Uh, Every other band, well, not every other band, I'm exaggerating a bit, but it seemed like that period in the punk scene, everyone wanted to be in a hardcore band. And uh, that didn't really interest me interest me so much i thought the melodic aspects of punk rock were more subversive uh, and and like i said you know beatles being my favorite band of all time you know i love melody i love noisy stuff too um but i think those guys just had an ability to really rope in some really great melodies and uh and that really appealed to me more than the playing the hardcore stuff and whatnot. So the Screeching Weasel had broken up in 1990 or 89, I think 89. And I'd kept in touch a little bit with Ben here and there. When Ivy League broke up, I thought, well, that's, that's the end of it for me. You know, we got to record a seven inch and do some shows and whatnot. I thought, oh, that was pretty good. And then Ben had mentioned uh, that he was going to form another band outside of the Go-Go Girls, because that was a temporary thing, right. and asked if I was interested in, in getting together with him. And I was like, absolutely. And I found out Jughead was going to be in there, too. And I was like, wow. And I found out Vapid, who was at that time in Sludgeworth, who I was a big fan of as well. And I thought, oh, my God. Uh, so I was, I was nervous as hell, but really excited. So cool. That's like the, the classic lineup right there to a lot of people, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that means a lot. Um, so when you guys first, like the first time you guys played together, was it was just like clicking immediately or was it something that took a little while? No, it, it, it clicked really quickly because Ben had had, uh, a bevy of songs already, which ended up, most of them ended up on My Brain Hurts.
was interesting about that, and I think they were a little bit taken aback by it too, was their previous two drummers would add more drums to their drum kit the longer they were in the band, the longer they played drums. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of the opposite. I always stuck with the four-piece drum kit, but I had two additional crash cymbals. The two songs in, I thought, well, I don't need this one, so I put, put it aside and played a couple of more songs. Like, I don't need this one either. And I think they were really shocked coming from the other right. the other aspect of it, where it's like, well, you, you're a drummer, you want lots of drums and whatnot. And I'm like, not me. I'm like, I have a hard enough time playing four-piece. <laughs> <laughs> more crap I don't know how to play. So, um, And I just felt that aesthetically, I always liked the four-piece drum kit. Right. And our first time we got together, I told them, that if there's anything that I'm playing drum-wise that you don't like, let me know. And I think they were blown away by that, too. Um, like, wow, who is this guy? Uh, you know, as opposed to, like, the, the drum... I write the drum parts. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, my, well, my... I mean, my philosophy, as far as drumming, is just to, ser- to, to service the song. Right. You know, the song, to me, is the most important part. Um, it's not about me, you know, doing drum solos or doing drum fills that aren't needed or, you know, like, Oh, I learned this new drum beat. I'm going to incorporate it into this, you know, <laughs> this melodic punk song. Does it belong there? No, really? don't play. So, um, it was, it was immediate. It's really cool. I always loved your style, man. It's like you were, you could play blazing fast, but you're still ripping eighth notes on the hi-hat and everything. It's just badass, dude. Oh, thank you. Um, that definitely was um, influenced by Tommy Ramone uh, and and, uh, Bill Stevenson of The Descendants Um, as far as having that just you know the fast hi-hat and the really fast um, drum fills and whatnot yeah Uh, I love it so how soon from the time you joined Weasel was it that you guys recorded My Brain Hurts I think our first practice together was March of 91, and we recorded it in July of 91. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm, trying to, I'm, trying to, I'm just trying to remember everything, because we recorded it in San Francisco at Art of uh, Era Studios. That They're no longer in San Francisco. But the premise of the tour was to record the album in the East Bay. So we had been playing, I think we were on the road for two weeks or so by the time we got there. So we were well dialed in. And it was, I, I thought it was a really great idea to, to play it while the songs were fresh and yeah. the playing was tight and whatnot. Because back then there weren't big recording budgets or whatnot. I mean, my brain hurts initially it was going to be a, a color album cover it was supposed to be in color but look out it's like well we don't know if this is going to sell so black and white's cheaper right you know those were the decisions that were made back then there weren't click tracks there weren't you know uh, you know what you, what you hear is is essentially what you get there wasn't you know perverting the the sounds digitally or whatnot right. and that sort of thing so yeah and you guys went in and banged out like one of the all-time classic albums like of all time yeah yeah i 
Full disclosure, Dan, it's, uh, I told Ben it's the greatest thing ever recorded. <laughs> and, I'm um, sure he, and I'm sure he totally agreed with you, right? <laughs> uh, I don't remember, but did you, you know, when you were recording it or after it, did you ever get the feeling that, you know, that, or even to the day, do you get the feeling that, you know, that it, how special it was, you know? Um, no, I mean, I, I liked it because it was the most melodic thing that they have done at that point. Totally. Oh, yeah. I felt it, you know, just the way it was structured was pretty much a one, two punched the whole way through the album. Um, and it's, I think it's under 30 minutes too, uh, which, which I always liked too. was like, say your piece and get off, you know, done. Um, but yeah, I don't, I mean, it would, I think at the time we're just like, we're making an album. Yeah, weren't, you know, I think it'd be preposterous to, you know, sit there and think, well, you know, in 20 years time, people are going to look back at me. Yeah. If, if <laughs> any of us were caught, if any of us were caught back then thinking that way, the others would be there to, to knock them back to reality. Uh, <laughs> But to us, it was just okay. You know, here's here are the songs. Here's the album. Um, I do remember we were staying at a punk house in Oakland at the time, and we were hearing a playback of the the final mix of it. And I think Aaron Comet Bus was there, and Lance Hahn uh, from Cringer, and uh, and we we're playing it and. You know, I I vaguely remember them, you know, giving it props or liking it. Uh-huh. So I thought, so as a, a guy who was in the lookout at the time from the western suburbs of Chicago, uh, that meant a lot. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> Like a chocolate ice cream bar Like characters on my TV These people look like 
let me ask you this: When you were recording uh, "My Brain Hurts," the actual song, how many times did it, how many takes did you have to do on those little drum solos at the uh, after the solo in the middle? Um, I think <laughs> no, I think no, I think that was just one or I think it did that in one or two takes that song. Really? Yeah, I mean, uh, I most of my drumming that I've done has been done between one and three takes, and not complete takes necessarily. Um, I think that might have been the first take, maybe the second. Uh, I'm not sure offhand, but I mean that was kind of par for the times too. We didn't have a lot of time to yeah. spend on drum tracks and whatnot. Right. And I remember Vapid, Jughead, and Dave Naked and I were all playing live together in the studio um, in the same room. So, you know. The, yeah, it wasn't, uh, well, we got a week to spend on drums. Like, it was done, my drum tracks were done that day easy. Um, huh. There was no, you know, like I said, there weren't any click tracks or samples or whatnot. It was just, okay, we got it. But yeah, I'd say majority of the album was done uh, drum-wise in, you know, between one and three takes. I don't remember spending a lot of time on any particular song. Right and that oh, continued that's... and that continued throughout the entire screeching weasel uh career and, mo- and most of my uh musical career too there weren't a lot of songs where i spent hours and hours on it was usually done within a few takes cool that's cool because that yeah those those drum fills are just blistering fast and just perfect so no oh, thank you um, you know, it's not till much later when, you know, I have to play these things again where you're like, you know, I'm a real idiot for, <laughs> for, for, for coming up with these things because the amount of stamina that it takes to play that stuff is, uh, takes a lot out of you. And yeah. of course, when you're young, you're not thinking, oh, you know, somewhere down the line, you're gonna have to play these songs again. Uh, that, that never registered in my brain. So, uh, yeah, so the occasional times where, you know, I'll join up on stage with Screeching Weasel and play a couple of songs or with Squirt Gun or whatnot, that's when it hits me. I'm like, yeah, you know, (laughs) that's what you get, asshole. (laughs) You you, could have coasted a little bit, but nope. (laughs) (laughs) So cool. So what was it like in the early days when you were when you guys would go out on tour with Weasel? The early, early days, you know, what was it like for you guys? Y'all get along pretty good in the van or what? Yeah, I mean, that's the th- that's the thing with being in a band is, you know, especially when you're in close quarters in a van and touring, you're dealing with uh, your different time changes. You're diff- dealing with weather. Um, you're dealing, you're cooped up in this vehicle with people who come from different backgrounds different ways of communicating different ways of learning different ways you know just it it really if you think about it it just seems like a a, such a recipe for disaster why on earth would someone (laughs) subjugate themselves to such a thing (laughs) Um, but on the other hand there's something that really gives you that sort of propulsion to want to do it and you know, we we got along for the most part. I mean, that's the thing with being in a in, in a band. You know, it's uh, tantamount to 
you know, the cast of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest uh, pooped up in a Ford Econoline van. You know, <laughs> you're gonna have you're gonna have moments of, you know, we you know joking with each other, and then there's other times where it's just dead silence. You know, where there's a lot of tension. But I would say that for the most part, it was it was it was fairly pleasant. That's cool. When did um when did Ben decided he wanted to kind of stop touring, and was that right after Anthem? Yeah, yeah. Anthem was the last time that we uh, played shows. Yeah, I remember being disappointed by that. Uh, yeah. I, you know, but I also, in the back of my mind, I understood that it just wasn't a comfortable situation for him. But I felt like there were kind of missed opportunities. But then again, looking back on it, you know, the the mental health of someone's way more important than, you know, going out there and doing that. So, yeah. you know, it would have been a really, you know, looking back at it now, it would have been a very miserable experience for him to continue touring in that capacity. Right. So. I I have more compassion and understanding of it now than I did back then. Even though I did have some back then, but I'm realizing it now. So this is about the time when you and Vapid, um, you joined the Queers, right? Yeah, uh, that transpired for me a bit earlier than Vapid. On the last tour that Screeching Weasel did for Anthem, we had the Queers coming out with us and then um i think it was decided that he was going through some um some substance issues and and so it was brought to me like oh they're looking for a drummer and i was like well you know to save money and to save one less body in the van i'll do it and so I played. So I played the uh, Queers and Screeching Weasel sets on that tour. Right on, Jeez. double duties. And I won fifty bucks from my roommate at the time too, because uh, he thought I wouldn't come back alive. <laughs> wow. So that's cool. So I won fifty bucks. Yeah. So then you guys so, go into the studio and did beat off, right? Yeah, and I think. Where was suck this first? Uh, well, Suck This was recorded beforehand because it was recorded on the tour before we recorded the album, I think. We'd like to thank everybody for showing up tonight. Take it, panic. I'm gonna do it, 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 I
that the live album was recorded in South Carolina, I think in the morning too of, of all times, uh, which is also a really natural time for anyone to be playing music, uh, live right. in any genre of music, uh, maybe new age. It's apropos, but, uh, but for other genres now, uh, yeah. and then the last one was done quickly as well. And, uh, yeah, it's another yeah. great album though, man. It was done quickly, raw. Um, it missed missed some of uh, missed some of the more melodic aspects. I feel of uh, love songs for the retarded. Yeah, um, but uh, there's a couple know. of melodic ones there. They're really great on there, though. Voodoo doll. I mean, you know, all screwed up. Love it. Yeah, I haven't listened to that album in almost twenty years. Wow. I should probably dig, dig that out at some point and listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I read somewhere once, I, I'm not sure if it was in Livermore's book or something, but it might have been, um, Vapid's guitar tracks didn't make the album? Is that? Like, he actually didn't, he, he recorded, but it didn't make the album. So he never got paid, yes. that was like a big issue. Yes. Yeah. Um, something to do with Ben or something, Ben was pissed at him. <laughs> 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 yeah, I I don't know exactly what transpired with that. I don't know if it was just um, musically, aesthetically, he felt it was too much, or if there was an issue with that. But I'm I'm not 100% certain on that, so I can't really okay. I can't really say offhand. And I'm not trying to be diplomatic or anything. Like, oh well, you know, I didn't yeah. inhale. Or whatever, you know. Just, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure on that, so I don't feel. Yeah, uh, I, I don't remember where I read that. It was just like I, I just couldn't believe it. You know, like well, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they be on there? But yeah, yeah. And then right after that, of course, uh, was he? You guys go back to Screeching Weasel, except he's fired or quits, and <laughs> you're not fired. <laughs> I guess exactly. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, that one was recorded in the basement of where uh, I was living at the time. And uh, just from an audio standpoint, uh, probably one of the worst places to record the album. I mean, the basement was not structured in a way uh, for any musical recording whatsoever. But uh, Mass came out from Indiana with... Uh, a truncated version of Sonic Iguana with the board and everything. And I remember it, I I believe it was late summer, I want to say August, and the building didn't have, it was an older building, it didn't have air conditioning. Um, I remember setting up the drums, we were going to spend a day trying to get a decent drum sound for the album, and I think we, we got one in like 40 minutes or whatever, Ben was there, he had his guitar, had a microphone. He's like, well, you want to go through a song? I'm like, sure. So it was just Ben doing a scratch guitar and scratch vocal and just him and I playing. I'm like, yeah, okay. Want to do another? I'm like, okay. So we started recording How to Make Enemies at 10 to 4 that afternoon by five to seven i was done with my drum tracks on that album <laughs> wow and the additional songs that weren't on there uh from the suzanne is getting married seven inch 
and then the Nightbreed, uh, which is a wretched version of Nightbreed. Uh, that's on uh, uh, Thank You Very Little. It's better than the Gorgor Girls one, though, I think. I, I like that one. See, I, I really like uh, Eric Elsewhere's drumming um, in yeah. the Vindictives and yeah. on the Gorgor Girl stuff. I really like it. Um, to me, it's got more energy than the How to Make Enemies era version of it. It just doesn't yeah. have, doesn't have, doesn't have the energy. Uh, uh, the major label they view on to me is the best version of them all. So, and, and Lumley absolutely just destroys it. He's just incredible. True. So why why was why did you guys record in your basement? I thought the budget would have been there to actually go to the studio, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know the reasoning behind it, but uh, but there it was. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. It's just kind of weird, you know. It's still a good yeah. record, man. I love that one. It was much. a fun one to record, just in so much that um, I got my drum tracks all done quickly. Yeah, uh, that was the quickest I think at that point that I've recorded. Uh, drum tracks for an album and my attitudes the less time i can spend in the studio the better right so i think i I think i know why all these bands want you to play with them now (laughs) because they're gonna save a bunch of money in the studio with you right (laughs) i mean to to me it's all to me you know time is money and i don't want to waste people's time in the studio and whatnot and uh and like i said i come from i come from an era where you know I were I was brought up recording, not brought up. Well, I was an adult by the time I started doing it. But the the audio, you know, we we used tape, and so there wasn't the digital component to it till much later. Right. And so there weren't there wasn't a lot of room for studio trickery and whatnot. Yeah. I think that's where I'm grateful that I grew up in a period where there was uh, tape or things were recorded on tape because you either had the ability or you didn't. There was really no way to disguise it. Yeah, totally. It was honest. Yeah. For better or for worse, it was honest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so I still have that mentality where I go in to record something. I don't, go into it thinking well we can just fix that in pro tools or whatnot it's like no like i'm recording i'm recording the whole damn thing from start to finish there's no punching me in here or punching me in there it's like i'm doing the whole thing from from front to back there's no none of that like it doesn't matter it does matter yeah nowadays people are like "Eh, that's close enough and then they just fix it i like Mm -hmm. your approach man that's the real deal I got a question about enemies, though, for you real quick, if that's sure. cool. absolutely. Nate and I are both big fans of the Josie Cotton cover. How did you take it when uh, you guys were doing that song? Did you dig it? Did you not like it? Because we talked to Ben about it. He didn't really dig it. You know, that's what he told us. We told him he was wrong. <laughs> um, I'll have to listen to it again. Again, it's uh, I haven't listened to that album in such a long time. Uh, right I like I liked the fact that we were doing a song called Johnny, Are You Queer? Um, and I and I love that song. Yeah, that's um, great. Whether, whether our version of it does it justice or not, I'm not sure. 
Um, I think the or, best cover, uh, the best cover, I think that we did when I was in the band was "I Can See Clearly," and I think because it was, I just felt like our stamp was on it a little bit more, where the other ones were kind of covered by rote rather than right. adding something different to it. Yeah, I'd have to listen to it again, but I haven't listened to that yeah. in such a long time. That's exactly what Ben said too, though he liked. He thought clearly was the best because you guys did make it your own, you know, and it's true. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we did, we actually before the recording of when we were practicing the songs from my brain hurts. There was another song um, that we were going to do. Let me see if I can look it up. Um, there was another song from that same period, I think a little bit later than when I can see clearly came out. Let me see if I can uh, get right back. Sorry. That's all good, man. You know what I thought was missing from that album was, uh, Vapid's backup vocals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Sorry. Um, uh, so the, the song was, uh, right back where we started from by Maxine Nightingale. Uh, Yeah. I love that. Hanson so yeah, brothers so, have actually covered that. So Same. yeah, so that was that was it was between that and I can see clearly, and I think I can see clearly just felt more natural to us. Yeah. So, but yeah, so that was the other cover that we were practicing at the time. So you didn't lay it down, and it's just in a no. okay. No, we went through it maybe once or twice at a rehearsal, and like eh, it's really not gelling. Gotcha. Thought maybe it was going to come up on that box set or yeah, something. Yeah, dude. I was like, oh, that'd be the shit. <laughs> I mean, if if it did, it would be a horrible boombox recording of it in a basement somewhere. Um, hey, that, that could happen because uh, like that uh, Weasel Mania has a couple recordings like that on there. Or not Weasel Mania, but Thank You Very Little, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. So, That's yeah, another one. Fingers crossed, you... dude. <laughs> that'd be sweet. I don't know. No. Yeah. A good thing, or it could be just uh, an abomination. Who knows? <laughs> It'd be interesting either way, though, man. <laughs> yeah. So, totally. so after uh, Enemies, uh, the band breaks up, right? It's over? Yes. Yes. And somehow, Vapid comes back in the picture, and the Riverdales are formed. Yeah. Uh, what Initially, with the Riverdales, um, is after Enemies, Ben and I... Uh, ben... And want to start a new band and, and he asked me if I wanted to be part of it and I was like absolutely and we initially had Gretchen from the Smears uh, play bass and co-sing Okay. and we had a couple of practices with her and it was more I would say more in the lines of the fastbacks or the muffs okay uh-huh. yeah, I pretty re- cool too I really wish something would have happened there. Um, but it didn't. And, uh, I still, I think I still have rehearsal tapes of us rehearsing some of the songs and whatnot. Wow. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was still a three piece, but it was Gretchen from the smears playing bass and doing co-vocals and, uh, but it didn't work out. And so vapid was asked to, um, to join up and that's where the the more Ramones focus came into play 
Yeah. Although I don't really consider the first Riverdale's album heavily Ramones. I mean, that's the thing with the Riverdale's and Screeching Weasel too. People refer to us as Ramones copycats. I always thought that was lazy, journalistic, balderdash. Absolutely, man. Because <laughs> um, I don't think Screeching Weasel sounds anything like the Ramones no, at not all. At all. And that's not any disrespect to the Ramones. I mean, we're obviously influenced by them. Yeah. But there were so many different influences that I just felt was sort of lazy journalism or, you know, uh, the tastemakers who just thought, like, uh, it's melodic. Meh, Ramones, okay. <laughs> uh, not taking into account the other influences that we had. Totally. You just think of some off, off the top of my head, just drum-wise, um, like Selena... I think um, Clara Monet, Crying in My Beard, there's a drum fill that I do um, that's in my homage to Motown. Okay. Um, and I put that in there because I love Motown, Stax Fault, I love 60s Soul, all that stuff. But the, the Clara Monet, there's that break, which is doom, 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 doom. Yeah, yeah, uh, totally. And that's my favorite thing I ever did in Screeching Weasel was that little fill on Claire Monet. <laughs> uh, that's that's the only thing that I actually uh, like. Oh, okay, that was kind of neat. Uh, everything else, I'm really critical of. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so like moments like that, or during hanging hanging around that intro, that instrumental intro. Yeah. Uh, the the fast drum fills. Uh, I was listening to Alice Cooper at the time, and there was a song off of. Oh, it's billion dollar babies or schools out. I can't think, uh, can't remember right now, but the, the song, my stars, I was influenced by that. And so I threw kind of that drum fill in there uh, as an influence. So, yeah, I mean, basically just getting influences and stealing from all sorts of different areas, not just punk rock. Right. Super cool. See, to me, the Riverdale's were totally like a Ramones kind of sound, but I loved it. Was it weird yeah, for you to shift to that kind of just straight meat and potatoes, four on the floor drumming? No, I actually liked it. Um, I was one of those drummers who despised drum solos and, you know, the sort of, like, look what I can do sort of drumming. Right. Um, and my whole premise of playing drums was to service the song. Uh, drum, drum fills here, you know, to sort of introduce... Uh, a verse into a chorus yeah. or a chorus into a bridge or whatever, not just putting them, um, you know, not trying to step over what the singer or other people are doing. Right. So not jazz. Me, right. Uh, like to me, I was just like, I didn't have a problem with that. And I know some people are like, well, you're, you're doing even less now than you were doing in screeching weasel. And like, I, I don't care. You know, it's about the song. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, like, that's what it, those songs called for, man. You had to do it that way. You know, I'd rather people remember the song than, than my drumming. I mean, the, the song is way more important than, than I am. Um, be a, 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 I think a, a negative attribute of people like, Oh, I remember the drums, but I don't remember anything else of the song. Uh, so, right. so yeah, the, the song has always been uh, yeah, the most important part. And even the first Riverdale's album doesn't sound that Ramonesy to me. Um, it's another one I haven't listened to in a long time, but, but, uh, yeah, to me, the second one storm the streets definitely does. Yeah. And it was definitely a conscious effort to, dude, I love the way your snare sounds on storm the streets. It's so 
like dry but punchy. Uh, <laughs> well, I asked Mass about it one time. He told me that you guys like put a, a t-shirt over the snare and mic'd it from the bottom. <laughs> Is that what you well, recall? I'm, I'm glad that you liked it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was the I think one of the the only times I've ever raised my voice in the studio because I was so frustrated. Really. I had this beautiful Black Beauty snare drum that I just purchased, and we're in the studio, and we had me in an isolated room, so there was no, everything sounded dead yeah. in the room. And I remember Dan Lumley was there, too, and we're trying these different snare sounds, and Ben's like, nope, that's not it. I'm like, no, that's not it. So I put a t-shirt over there, and it's still, nope. <laughs> I, got so, <laughs> I got so pissed off. And Lumley was next to me. I was like, I know what he wants. We go in there. I detune the snare drum, the top of the snare drum, yeah. where there are ripples on my snare drum head. Wow. And I put my T-shirt over it. And it's just... That's And I just walked in there. It's like... And I, I, I lost it for a second. But I was just absolutely horrified because it didn't matter... Where I hit the drum or how hard it was that same <laughs> it's like trying to it's trying to play it's like trying to play in a bowl of oatmeal. <laughs> just like there's no bounce back. Not at all. Uh, um, but uh you know, uh, yeah. So and, you, uh, you you didn't like the finished result on that record? I think that snare cuts through those guitars so perfectly, man. It does. I understand I mean, even though I was absolutely livid at the time, I understood what Ben was trying to go for, that sort of dry first Ramones. Yeah, yeah. Album, like, and, and I get that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just thinking about it. Um, just thinking about almost going into a coronary at the time. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I think a lot of people liked it, man. I thought it sounded fucking awesome. Yeah, I, that's another one I'm going to have to dig out. I guess at some some point, that's another one I haven't listened to in a really long time.
as you can see, as you see, I don't listen to a lot of stuff. Right. <laughs> um, I, I prefer the first one still, but well, the first one was a little bit more enjoyable for me, in so much that uh, I was. The first time I was able to really do backing vocals, and I have to thank Vapid for that because prior to when we we're working on Riverdale songs, uh, I would occasionally go over to Vapid's and he'd have these songs, some of them kind of you know intentionally goofy, and I would add these harmony vocals. And one time in Riverdale's practice, uh, Ben's like, "Well, when we record it, we can have one of us do the the harmony vocal on top of that." And Vapid, and like, like, well, he can do it. Right like, well, can you? I'm like, well. So I bought a microphone, and like, it was almost immediate where the drumming and singing at the same time was just completely natural. And uh, so I was able to do a lot of backing vocals um, on that album. So that was kind of fun for me because it was uh, something, something different to do. Yeah. So it was. I wondered when you know Vapid came into the band and stuff. Were you surprised at the uh, the quality of songs that he could write? You know, nope, to that I mean, Sludgeworth was great, but that was a different kind of monster, you know. Well, my favorite songs that Sludgeworth had were the ones that were written primarily by him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and the songs that he co-wrote with Ben, and just his musical ear his aesthetic i felt was impeccable i mean we both bonded over power pop and 80s new wave and and whatnot so uh, i mean he just uh, vapid is always to me he's a natural songwriter like it's not forced with him he's got a, a tremendous gift where it's not a forced uh he's not a yeah he's just it just comes out of them naturally, and it's uh, so. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. Like, yeah, uh, I mean, they just kept coming. I mean, all what five Riverdale's albums. I mean, he just they're that's the best thing about the Riverdale's was the Vapid songs. I thought, you know, I prefer the Vapid over the the Ben songs, but just how many there are, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, again, I haven't listened to those albums in a long time, but I think back to you is by far the best song on that album.
Yeah. And uh, and then the second one, I will make it up to you. Uh, yeah. I think those are the two best songs off of uh, both those albums. Yeah, I mean, I, I think have... you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know they're the slower ones, and some people are like, oh, they're slow, blah blah blah. I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. Um, now just... we, we did a we did a Riverdale's episode. We did a the first album review, kind of like a like a classic album review, and um, I think I gushed over back to you for half the episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. Yeah. That's just one of my favorite songs of all time, you know. Yeah, that's a good one. Love it. Hey, I was always kind of curious, Dan, uh, you know, when Green Day took you guys out, was those those were some of the biggest shows you guys had probably played to that point, right? Was it kind of different oh, God, being in yeah. a big arena for you? Yeah, I mean, there was no contest. Um, we'd never played anything like the likes of anything like that because when Screeching Weasel were touring, we weren't a big band. Um, I mean, there are certain cities that we did well in. Obviously, Chicago, Gilman, we did really well in. Um, and then uh, Texas. But uh, th- but there were shows where we, you know, I remember, I think the second show on the t- my first tour with them in 91, we played in someone's living room in Minneapolis, and I think there may be 30 people there. Uh, you know, we played in, uh, we played in a house, I think in, Birmingham, Alabama, beginning of 92, where I think there was like 13 people there, and two guys got into a fight and broke a window in the house, so the show was over uh, before we could even like play second song or even, you know, whatever. So, yeah, so it was, I think to those that are, are interested in the pop punk genre or Screeching Weasel or whatnot, I think there's an assumption that because the records are in were in stores or are in stores or people have heard about them that naturally we, we always played hundreds of thousands of people but you know that really wasn't the case it was really patchy you know other than those particular cities um places but you, you just never knew you know you could like well you'd be playing someone's kitchen living room or be playing a big club um i think we played the masquerade in 92 we played in this big club and uh i think nirvana had played there a few months before and we had these like tiny amplifiers <laughs> and my tiny little rinky dink drum kit and it looked absolutely hysterical on stage because john and vapid had put their amps on chairs <laughs> <laughs> it's, it just looks ridiculous because there's this huge stage and it's like t- tiny equipment and it just looked absolutely hysterical you know one of those situations but as far as the, the green day stuff i was already introduced to it because i'd done a tour with pansy division um late 94 opening up for green day um so i sort of got a taste of it beforehand um and uh but those Green Day guys, man, they're they were they were great to us. I mean, they were great to a lot of bands. They could have easily just told us all to sod off, you know. Um, but they in in gotten bands off of Warner Brothers or or Reprise or whatever. But they really supported uh, lookout bands. Um, just 
yeah, just tremendously amazing guys. Really supportive. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So I got a I got a fun hypothetical question for you. So if you know, screeching forty miles an hour. No, go ahead. <laughs> screeching weasel does. You know, <laughs> when they play shows, they play relatively big big venues right now. Mm-hmm. Um, say the day comes that you know the the Fab Four gets back together. You know, you and Vapid and Jughead and Ben. Um, you think you guys could like tour the you know tour everywhere and do very well? <laughs> I really have no idea. Uh, Pretty sure that's not going to happen, but. You know, yeah, just hypothetically, I, mean, I, w- I imagine it'd be huge. I mean, you know, I, I your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to, you know, I've, I've, I've jumped up on stage a few times with Screeching Weasel uh, over the last year, two years um, with, uh, with Ben. Um, and I did, I played at Jughead's 50th did some mm-hmm. songs there so i'm i'm not a you know i i'm not opposed to playing with with any of those guys if if any of them said hey could you you know could you help me out here or would you do this i, w- I would you know i don't that's awesome hell yeah weasel reunion you heard it here first panics <laughs> on board panics on board <laughs> Yeah. Well, then the three of them were like, "Oh, he's on board." Oh, fuck that. No, no definitely not doing it now. <laughs> but no, I mean, I uh, I can't speak for the other guys because I think the difference between my perspective and the other guys, I think the other guys, their personas are way more heavily involved in Screeching Weasel than mine. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a lot easier for me to go from band to band to band to band. Um, and usually um, when people talk about Screeching Weasel, it's usually Ben, Jughead, and Vapid. Um, so I think because their personas are so heavily involved in the band, uh, yeah, it's probably a, a bit more difficult for them where I've had a lot more time away from it. Right. And I feel I can look at it from a different perspective. Maybe right. I could be completely talking out of my ass. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but the other guys, yeah, the other guys, you know, I'm sure they've got their opinions on it and whatnot. Right. So you get along with the other guys all relatively well. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, they're was a long period of time where you know I didn't have any contact or I didn't talk to them or you know uh, you know those that are familiar with Screeching Weasel history there's always been a degree of drama yeah and so uh, you know there's, there's, there's sort of a sometimes you're in sometimes you're out um, you know there's been a picture painted of Screeching Weasel that you know Ben and Jughead don't hate each other but they don't talk and ben doesn't like vapid and a lot of drama and we just i've just never heard much about you as far as how anybody feels about you or anything so it's good you're not on the outs with anybody well you know i've made my apologies to each person in the band as far as my failings as a human being during that period and um you know, so there have been some 
email conversations or, you know, apologies or and whatnot. So, you know, I'm big enough to look back on my limitations and some of maybe the damage that I did while I was in bands and say, hey, you know what, I could have dealt with this a better way. I could have communicated this a better way. Um, I think time and experience kind of gives you a different perspective. And so, yeah, you know, I don't think anyone in any band is easy to deal with when you're dealing with you know, touring or just being in a band, you know, like I said earlier, everyone has a different way of communicating and learning. And, you know, uh, so it's, I mean, you already have the cards stacked against you because of that. Uh, you know, it's doing anything creative with a group of people is kind of at some point or another end up in tears. <laughs> but if you can, you can do something together and put it out there, then, you know, it, that stands, hopefully stands the test of time. Then all the, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Well, all the, all the chaos and, and that occurred during it, hopefully over time falls over by the wayside. Right. Yeah. It's cool. So can we talk a little bit about the ghoulies? Like how, what led you to, Join up with Kepi and Roach and everyone. Well, I'll have to thank Lookout for that because Lookout was also responsible for uh, getting me uh, to play with Pansy Division on the tour with Green Day in 94. Yeah. Uh, and Ghoulies were looking for somebody and, like, Ooh. and she asked, you know, Panic. So I got to meet Kepi and Roach when they played in Chicago, opening up for the Queers and Screw 32. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, really, really great people. Uh, at the time, I was newly married and uh, basically given an ultimatum. either do the ghoulies or screeching weasel. So I decided to do the ghoulies. Um, so I went from a band that didn't play shows <laughs> to that constantly played shows and again in the interim of all the the touring that i did with the ghoulies you know newly married uh in the process of moving from chicago to the bay area um so there was a lot of strife there trying to juggle it um that made it difficult for i think everybody involved and uh but it just it wasn't uh a pattern that that I could continue because I was just, yeah, it was just really difficult. Like I said, I should, in retrospect, it would have been best for me to take some time off and reflect and decide, Hey, you know, what should I do? And what do I want to do? And am I ready to put my energies towards this? And, um, but I just, you know, wasn't thinking that at the time, like, okay. Um, you know, I don't regret playing with them at all because they're absolutely great. And uh, but I just think I couldn't give what they needed. Mm. And I think just from a drumming standpoint, I'm that's probably I'm most critical of that one. I feel like I let myself and them down on that album. Think so? I love your yeah. parts on oh. that, man. Yeah. 
I just I think just coming from a period where I wasn't playing as much and then going straight into you know playing shows and that I just I don't feel like I got my proverbial groove yeah and the stamina everything back in so um it's again it's an album I haven't listened to in a long time but um, damn good I I you know and there are people that disagree with me on that so yeah oh well. <laughs> the interesting thing is, I mean, everyone, you know, kind of thinks as your ver- the lineup with you and Vapid and Jughead and Ben is the, the classic Weasel lineup. But for me, the Ghoulies classic lineup, you're a part of that too, man. Because of all the times I've saw the Ghoulies, the best times were when you were on drums and B Face was on bass and Kepi was just yep. free to go ape shit. It was so cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, and that was the great thing was he had Roach and B Face who were, you know, very solid on stage, like. You know, totally. and then you had Kepi and I, you know, me bouncing off the drum kit like an idiot. And then, you know, and then Kepi being able to uh, run around. Uh, I think, you know, Kepi is just a natural born front man. Totally. Uh, he's got the wit. He's got the rapport with the audience. Um, he's got a really great attitude on stage. Um, you know, he's... He, He's a lifer, man. He's a lifer. He's, you know, he's in it for the long haul. And you can tell. I mean, the guy just loves music. And, and I have the appreciation to those guys um, for having me on. I remember I had asked if my then wife could go on, on, a, on a tour with us. And so, like, oh, we'll think about it. And so it was Kepi Roach and I. And then Kepi said, band meeting. And I must have turned several shades of wider than I already am. And the look on my face was absolute distress. And he looked at me, he's like, what's wrong? He said, you said band meeting. <laughs> he's like, oh my God, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like Pavlov's dog. He's <laughs> like, like, oh. like, oh yeah, no, she can come with. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was so used to that, that when I heard band meeting, I was like, oh. Right. Never. <laughs> so, <clears throat> and and Kepi too, to to his credit too, he he turned me on to stuff that I had sort of papooed. Um, like Neil Diamond, I uh, kind of grew up thinking, ah, oh, it's kind of a show busy sort of thing. And I remember we were driving from Sacramento to LA. It's like no, it's like we're gonna listen to Neil Diamond the whole way there. So he had the box set. We listened to it like like three disc thing all the way down there. And I became uh, an admirer of Neil Diamond, like a songwriting, everything. And, and Kepi really has that ability of his enthusiasm for, for, for music is really infectious. And he can really turn someone on to not necessarily a hater, but someone who's like, eh, no, like, no, man, check this out. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I, uh, same thing with you know. It was just great to play with those guys. Yeah, have you heard that they uh, Kepi's re-recording reanimation? I think it's already out or it's coming out really soon. Yeah, I'd heard about that, and uh, I'm you know I'm I'm interested in hearing it. And I think it's like is it the copyrights? Yeah, the copyrights. And yeah, the, the Kepi rights. <laughs> so yeah, they'll you know if the copyrights they'll do a great job. Yeah, a great band. So hopefully they'll right the wrongs of uh, 
<laughs> of what I so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I love that record. I do so. too. I, I'm always against these re-records. I mean, I get why these people do it because they want to kind of have their own. You know, they want to own it. But right, it's hard to like. You just can't capture that magic of 20 years ago, especially if someone has been listening to it for 20 years. You know. Yeah, it's. It's a it's a it's a weird thing, you know. Yeah. It I could know be that, like sonically a thousand times better, but I'm not going to have that attachment that I already have to the original, you know? Well, to ask you guys a question, when the Wiggle album was recently remixed and remastered, have you heard that? And what did you think of that? I heard it. I I don't I, know. I prefer the original. I do too. See, I, I prefer the remix and remaster. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's, it's interesting because, yeah, it's that sort of thing where you get so used to and attached to uh, the personality of yeah, it's of like, an album, whether it's from an aesthetic or audio point of view and things get changed wrong, like, hey, wait a second. Yeah, this isn't what I remember. What the hell? And I can, yeah. I can, and I can understand that. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure if, uh, you know, uh, some of my favorite bands decide, oh, we're just going to re- re-record this and like oh, i like that yeah it'd be like brian wilson's like you know what that's it's pet sounds <laughs> yeah fuck it i'm gonna redo pet sounds right now yeah. and use auto tune i don't even have to sing exactly like <laughs> no <laughs> yeah um paul mccartney's so, yeah, going to do the white album without the rest of the beatles just him and ringo <laughs> it's like what the fuck <laughs> yeah it'll be doing uh yodeling instead of uh, singing <laughs> totally and have james hatfield come in every now and then go oh right <laughs> <laughs> that would be great so dan did you like your drum sounds on wiggle um the remix i is is better um, the original I felt was a little too dry, and some of the songs, the crash cymbals are way too high in the mix. Yeah. I mean, it's almost if you have cavities and listening to that mix, uh, as soon as the crash cymbals come in, the, your cavities, your uh, your fillings, gone. And <laughs> I, I I love that record. I love it. I love the drum sounds on that. It's just they're they they pop out for sure, and I just that's the record, you know, that really made me you know love you as a drummer you know it's like oh, holy you. shit this guy's great but thank you uh that was the album that i almost quit playing drums too because uh, <laughs> again it was uh it was i know you guys are like god this guy's preposterous jesus <laughs> um there i am i'll admit it uh but i remember we were recording uh Amy saw me looking at her boobs, and there's this is this fast cross sticking from hi hat to floor tom to hi hat to floor tom sort of thing, and I kept hitting my sticks and having to do a track over. And I think we're at like take six, and I was freaking out because that's the most I've ever had to do. Uh, yeah, take wise, it's the most I've ever had to do at that point probably ever um and i was getting really frustrated and mass could see you know you know poor mass he had to be the psychologist in that in that stew of 
of chaos there, but you could see I was getting really frustrated. So why don't we take a break? And at the time, Sonic Iguana was next to a golf course. So I remember sitting at the eighth hole or ninth hole or whatever whatever hole it was, sitting there contemplating whether or not to tell the guys, you know, I'm done. Uh, I don't want to waste your time. I can't get this drum part. I quit. Uh, I was so I was just sitting there on uh, on the green and just kind of contemplating whether I should just pack it in and 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 call it a day. But uh, wow, yeah. I, I have a tendency of getting like that with myself. Uh, if I don't get something relatively quickly, I I go all sorts of ape shit on myself. <laughs> was uh, that song ever finished? Because it wasn't on the record. Yeah, it was actually. It was on uh, "Thank You Very Little." Yeah, it's on "Thank You Very Little" for sure. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yep. Yep. Okay. And uh, and then of course the queers ended up doing a better version, doing "Fuck the World." Fuck the world. Um, yep. Yep. And then. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other side bits from that session. I remember also being mid, late somewhere, somewhere around there, being really hot in the studio. And I think we're all getting some sort of signs of delirium and dementia, just being in this little room together, right. recording these songs. Um, slow that? motion, the, yeah. the take of slow motion on there. Uh, after the beginning part, I had just because it's such a fast song. I held my breath through most of that song and didn't realize it till the very end. And I almost fell over in dizziness after we finished that take. Because oh, wow. it was so fast. And I was like, <gasps> like, and so, yeah, that's like, I would say probably majority of it, I wasn't breathing. I held my breath. And it's just that I wanted to nail it and just keep it fast and that whole thing. So another tidbit, I almost passed that. (laughs) (laughs) So what led you to leave the Riverdales after the second record? Um, Well, uh, Riverdales had broken up then. I think it was, we decided that the second album that was going to be it was just tidy it up and record these songs that we, we had. And so that was, that was that, um, and then I wasn't in contact with uh, Ben or Dan uh, for quite some time, and they decided to, you know, get someone who lived in the area. Gotcha. And, uh, so Lumley came in, and right. uh, um, so yeah, but yeah. yeah, it was just you know I lived in California at the time, and I was in. You were the like, plus ones by then, right? Uh, when did that third? Because I've never, I've not heard any of the. Three? I don't remember what year that was actually. Do you know, Nate? Uh, like two phase three was like two thousand two or two thousand three, I think. Two thousand three. Yeah, I was in Beulah at Beulah, that time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I was touring and recording with them. That's what's so, up. Yeah, I just think just. Just from you know the standpoint of West Coast versus the Midwest, it was probably just easier for them. And right. and like I said, I didn't have any contact with them, so not that we were on bad terms that I know of. We just weren't on any terms whatsoever. Gotcha. So, so the Plus Ones. I actually saw the Plus Ones play one time here in St. Louis. I think you guys were playing with like maybe the Smugglers or something. 
Yeah, the Smugglers and the Donnas. Yeah, and the Donnas. That's right, because uh, their record that the uh, Red Cross, the McDonald's produced, had just came out. I can't remember what it was yeah. called. But yeah, you guys were really good live. I I didn't even really realize at the time. I guess I was sleeping on the plus ones a little bit because I didn't even know you were in the band and that. And I just kind of went to the show because it was a show and something to do. And I was like, holy shit, that's Panic. And holy shit, that's Joel, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I got the CD. Yeah. I still got it. It's pretty good, man. I love it. You guys did that great cover of uh, Badfinger. Yeah, uh, that came about uh, fortuitously, actually. I been kind of bugging Joel, like, oh, we should cover this song. We should cover this song. And he's like, oh, okay. And his older sister came home one of the days after I got done haranguing him about trying to cover this thing. Uh-huh. She came home. She's like, you know, I heard this song on the radio. I think it'd be great for you guys to cover. It was also Bad Fingers, no matter what. So nice. I think he took that as sort of a sign. A sign, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but yeah, playing, it was, um, you know, it was fun playing in that band because it wasn't punk rock yeah it was more uh, power pop right lots and, of harmonies great vocals and uh you know and having scotty as a guitar player man that guy just what an incredible guitar player totally and, uh, completely underrated um you know i've played with a lot of i mean i consider everyone that i've played with um uh a pleasure to play with but he's definitely um one of the best guitar players i've ever played with uh, bill swan from beetle is another one Corey cunningham from the magic bullets um is another one um and of course now it's squirt gun zach damon uh yeah, great oh, as yeah. well i mean everyone that i played with i admire musically um, so it'd be difficult for me to say, Ooh, who's your favorite or what's your favorite or whatever. It's like, I'm grateful, you know, I'm grateful to have played with all of them. But yeah, plus one thing was fun. Did you play yeah. on that? Uh, there was a Donna's record. Did you play on one of those records? I played tambourine. Okay. Yeah. Um, what happened was I was, I just gotten off of work. I got a phone call from the engineer, Robert Chimp. And he's, he said, uh, Hey, where are you at right now? So I'm about to go home. Why? It's like, if you come over to the studio, like, sure. So, so I played tambourine on uh, 40 Days, 40 Nights. Nice. So I'm honored to to have played on it. So I just came in and and uh, be on the tambourine. And that's the thing is people always make fun of the tambourine. Like, oh, but it's, tambourines actually can be harder than one would expect to play. Totally. Uh, if, if you're doing those fast 16th, super hard. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, there is a subtlety to playing tambourine, you know, unless you're just doing single single notes, you right. know, but if you're doing anything beyond that, there's, you know, there's various ways of playing it yeah. and attacking it, so uh, try not to get too precious and pretentious about the tambourine, but, uh, <laughs> but there it is. <laughs> Four more, the tambourine! Yeah, no. Okay. Yeah. So of all the records you've made, what is your absolute favorite one? Like, which one would you turn someone on to? That is, they, like, say you met someone and they didn't even know you were ever in a band and you were like, dude, I've made all these records. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> so, but suppose uh, you're going to turn them on to one, just one record you've made. What would you give somebody? Hmm. 
I really don't. <laughs> I really don't know. Um, I guess it would depend on what kind of genre of music they liked. Right. I hear you. Uh, if it were punk rock, I would probably say Screeching Weasel, My Brain Hurts. Absolutely. That's what um, I would do. I'd be like, dude, I'm on My Brain Hurts. <laughs> and what more can like you that, say, dude? And then if you like that, check out Anthem. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, as far as indie rock, um, Beulah, The Coast is Never Clear. Um, if you like something more like the Smiths type of stuff, the Magic Bullets, Magic Bullets, um, Power Pop, the Plus One. I mean, right. yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, you, I don't. You got it I'm, all I'm covered, not, man. All I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not really good at uh, dissecting uh, what I've played on without being hypercritical of my part in it. So <laughs> it, it behooved me to to pick one particular thing, although. Um, for drum textures and whatnot, I would say Miles Kurowski, uh, uh, his solo album uh, that came out in 2010. Uh, right on. I got that. Hold on, let me see. Let me just check. I'm not sure if I've ever even heard of that, man, to be honest with you. Miles Kurowski, The Desert of Shallow Effects. I, had to, I couldn't think of the, right on. the title. But um, yeah, so that's another one. Cool. It's kind of like a, it's got the kitchen sink production on it. Like he intentionally yeah. wanted something that's got a lot of textures and whatnot to it. Cool. It was a it was a fun to record. Yeah, I think it's and cool that you've continued to play and you've continued to do a lot of different things. You know, that's not just all one kind of one thing. It's pretty cool. Well, I mean, uh, to me, I just love music, and um, and anyone who knows me knows that you know I can get really giddy uh something super pop where some people would be absolutely horrified to know that i really like or you know like you like that um like yep uh so yeah i I just love music and i i stopped playing drums for about five years and it wasn't until 2017 where i picked them up again and uh, so I'm I'm, en- I'm enjoying it. You know, I'm doing some studio work for some people and doing this work on stuff. And hopefully, sometime down the pike, we'll record stuff. Um, there's a lot of bands that I played in that uh, that people don't know about um, that either were just kind of local bands that didn't go outside the East Bay or California. Um, but yeah, yeah. There's there's a bunch of stuff out there <laughs> right if i got it um but so you yeah do like your own box set someday and just kind of compile <laughs> the best of the best of the best you know what I, mean? I think a lot of people would be super interested man you're the best around hey dan <laughs> you ever uh you ever realize that you played with six uh pretty big lookout records bands weasel queers ghoulies riverdales pansy division squirt gun it's uh <laughs> seems like quite the accomplishment to me <laughs> absolutely yeah um yeah i guess i'm a guess i'm uh guess i'm a drum whore um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i like i said you know uh in the, the uh, with the opportunity came up and you know uh, you know i just i really enjoyed playing with the people that i played with 
And even when there was times where there was disconnect or disagreements or whatnot, even like the greater good of it, you know, means more than in a particular period of time on a personal level as far as getting to, along or whatnot. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm lucky. You know, I'm self-taught. Wow. You know, and, uh, it, you know, someone would have told me, oh, you're going to be touring all over the place and play on these albums, you know. I would have laughed my ass off or even doing an interview for this podcast, you know, uh, someone would have told me years ago, like, Oh yeah, you'll be like, like, Oh, come on. Um, you know, uh, you're, you're, you know, a bunch of cobblers there, man, that, that doesn't no way. Um, so I, I mean, I don't, I don't take it for granted. I don't assume. So, and I think the benefit of not being on social media too is, um, you know, I don't get too far up my my backside um, with that sort of stuff. Uh, as far as like, oh, I got to check out and see, you know, if if I'm important or or not or whatnot. So I'm kind of disconnected to a lot of what's going on outside of that. Occasionally, Massel, you know, text me like a Facebook post, like, oh, someone, you know said this about you or that about you. I'm like, Oh, okay. That's, that's sweet. You know, that means a lot. But, um, yeah, like I said, I'm kind of disconnected from the social media aspect of it. So it right. kind of gives me maybe a, a different perspective on it or I'm not so obsessed about it that like, Oh my God, you know, right. I'm yeah. this or I'm not this or whatnot. So, yeah. So if someone says, "Oh, you know, I love what you did there." I'm more surprised than than they are, like okay. truly. So you've actually heard of that band? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, wow. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. <laughs> you know, so yeah, and I'd I'd stop talking about a lot of that, like the the jobs that I've had, like months ago by, and someone's like, someone say, "Oh, so you play music?" Like, yeah. Like, oh, what bands, you know, because I normally wouldn't give people the band names because I learned that a long time ago that I would just get this blank stare and you'd hear the sound of crickets in the background, <laughs> uh, like screaming who? Like, eh. <laughs> so just like you know they're not going to remember and they don't give you so I, so I just, and it wasn't, you know, I'll find out like, you were in that band? Oh my God. Like, right. why didn't you say anything? You don't even, you, you don't seem like a you don't act like a rock star or a punk rock guy or whatever. It's like, oh, that's <laughs> just me <laughs> for better or for worse. Right that's pretty cool. Yeah. Next time, next time they ask you what band you were in, just tell them all of them. All of them. So, Jeez. So like, uh, so, uh, just be like, look out records. That's me. Like the, the who out, the what? <laughs> like, oh, <dear. laughs> but what, what got you guys into pop punk? Uh, see now the tables are turning. I'm 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 interviewing you guys. <laughs> um, for for me, um, I got into. I used to be a metal kid, you know. I loved Kiss and nice shit like that. And then I ended up um, early '90s. Got into like Fugazi and Husker Du and uh, Replacements, Descendants, and then nice. um, and then I heard Riding in a Car 
with some buddies, I heard uh, my brain hurts and didn't know what it was, asked what it was. Of course, took the tape and uh, yeah, that was it from there. That was like 93. So 92, 93. And um, that was pretty much it, you know. So I guess the descendants, I, I mean, I liked the descendants yeah. before that, but um, yeah, I guess. The, the my brain hurts was the introduction to the whole you know weasel core ramones core you know that yeah. stuff so right your turn yeah. sir for me i was already kind of before i really knew anything about pop punk i already liked the ramones and i liked a lot of like typical punk rock you know stuff but definitely descendants and yeah. ramones and buzzcocks and the dickies and just kind of textbook nice. kind of stuff really i think the first what i think was probably was probably weasel but i think it was on boogada the first stuff i had heard that was what people would say was pop punk i guess and you know something like supermarket fantasy was probably yeah. it from what i could remember maybe peg boy though i don't know it's hard to say yeah so did so did you both come from like a hard rock heavy metal background or I kind of yeah. I mean I liked Kiss when I was a little kid too but yeah. I, I'm not so much of it wasn't too that into metal because I kind of discovered the Ramones sort of early you know and that kind of <laughs> colored everything else for me for the rest of my life you know yeah but I mean I did like Slayer and I did like Metallic yeah. I liked Thrash because to me it was kind of like just kind of punky and fast I've always liked fast yeah. and aggressive kind of my thing but i also do like melody where a lot yeah. of the thrash was lacking in that though you know yeah i th i think a lot of the punk people of a certain vintage uh kind of grew up liking the aggressiveness of hard rock just because um it was available it was mainstream and whatnot yeah punk was something that generally you had to dig a little it further in to find it for the most part but yeah i mean i uh, even in my most hard rock heavy metal phase um i i love stuff like philly soul motown oh yeah me too madonna um uh you know hip-hop i mean i uh, and that was a thing too in in grade school or high school i didn't fit into a clique because you know I could love uh, Belinda Carlisle's Heaven on Earth album and then go straight <laughs> from that to Rain and Blood Slayer. Totally. You know, we did. And, and people are like, what the? How, how can you, you? You like Bob Marley and Guns N' Roses and The Replacements and Minutemen? Like, it, yeah. it all makes sense to me. Otis Redding, whatever, right. you know. That's how I was. I've always been kind of all over the map, but. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I especially loved all the new wave and 80s shit on MTV okay. when I was a kid. I still do, you know. It's, to me, that's some of the greatest shit out there. Dan, uh, last week we did an episode where we did a top five go-go songs. So, Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of, we jump around a little bit here. So. Yeah. yeah. So what were the top five? If I uh, well, we we each did our own top five. It was okay. Nate, myself, and Haley Crusher, and uh, I don't remember what those guys were, but I can tell you my number one was uh, "How Much More" was my favorite of all time. I was, I was gonna. That's that's definitely in my uh, top five. Hell yeah! 
It's a great song. It's totally underrated. He always has such a great floor tom on on the Go Go's songs. You notice that being a drummer. Yep. Sounds yep. great. No, they they had some really great songs. Uh, yeah. Turn to you. I like that one a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nice. The list goes on and on with the Go Go's. They had some good records in the early '80s, man. Oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I think my number one is uh, "Our Lips Are Sealed." Pretty sure that was. Yeah, it was. I, I remember that. Mine changes constantly. Um, how much more was on there? Yeah, skid yeah. marks on my heart was is great. Oh, that's a great one too. Yeah. Um, There's a bunch of really was... good ones. Oh yeah, absolutely. So we, gotta, so we actually have a game that we have that we were gonna do with you, Danny. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you, do you prefer Dan or Danny? Doesn't matter to me. Right on. Whatever you feel like. That's what's whatever. Like. Back whatever in the day, way we would it. always say Danny Panic, just because it sounded so cool. I was actually <laughs> curious. Did you come up with that, or did someone else come up that with that for you? Uh, ben gave that one to me. I was bestowed uh, that one. I like it. So what do you think? it was it was you... better than naked. I'm glad I wasn't Danny naked <laughs> or Danny yeah. cheese or something. Yeah. So was, was did Ben dish out all those names or? Uh, I I think John actually was the only Ben and John were the only ones that were given their own names by themselves. But I think everyone else, because um, I think Vapid's original Let's name was going to be Dan, it was Danny sure. America. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, Danny well, America. So, but, but yeah, but but once the the second round of Screeching Weasel getting back together, uh, he was trying to do Danny America, and that just didn't stick. So vapid, and, and I got panic. So that's cool. It could have been a lot worse. So I'm I'm grateful for that. Totally. Yeah. What were you saying, Nate? Oh, I was just saying they don't, they don't. None of the new guys have have uh, cool punk names. You know, I think that ended with the panic vapid. Lineup. Yeah. Hey, this is Pat. And Chris. And Chris. Mikey. And we're from the Beatnik Termites, and you're listening to the Dummy Room. Sweet 16, we're going to do um, um, album songs that you were part of. Okay. And we just took a couple off of uh, each Weasel record, uh, the, the each Riverdale's record, and the Ghoulies record, and I think even Beat Off. And okay. And uh, it's kind of a bracket sort of game, and uh, yeah, we'll decide the number one Dan Panic song. Oh boy, I, I, it's just the the queers, you know, just those albums beat off and suck this. I remember when my parents would always ask for a copy of everything I ever played on, and just bringing those home for them, like, like here, here you go. Yeah, you grew up Catholic, and you got to give your mom beat off. Well, it's not just that, but it's just I, I it was just the the absurdity of it was just so <laughs> funny. Um, yeah, you know. 
like it's it's not you know your parents getting together with their peers and well what's your son doing oh well he just played on a new album called the queers beat off like oh <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah what a nice boy. <laughs> all right so the way this works off. is basically i'll present us a choice between two songs and the three of us will vote and whatever wins moves forward you know what i'm saying like a basketball okay. tourney you know what i mean okay so we'll go ahead and we'll get it started Round one. And the first matchup is 99 versus Graveyard Girlfriend. What's your favorite? What's better? I know where I'm going. I'm going 99. Okay. Nate? I got to go 99. Yeah, that's what I would have said. 99 would take that one. So 99 will advance. Sorry, goalies. Yeah, a graveyard girlfriend's a banger too, though, man. But ninety nine has a special spot with me. Okay, so the next, next one is a a killer drum track. My brain hurts, or I don't want to go to the party tonight. Riverdale's. I'm gonna go for my brain hurts. I'm going. My brain hurts. Yeah, it's hard one to argue my favorite with those fills, man. Record, so. Yep. Both great songs, though, man. That's, that's kind of hard choices. Because all of these songs are really good, you know? But the next matchup we have is Science of Myth versus Live This Life. Science of Myth. Yeah. Nate? I'm just going to mix it up. I'm going with uh, Live This Life, even though I love both. Yeah. And see, for me, I'm I'm going purely on the song, not my drumming whatsoever. Okay. So, Yeah. I would have to break this tie and say Science of Myth will move forward. It's always <laughs> been one of my big favorite songs of all time. I love that song. I just I just think from a lyrical standpoint, it's a standout song. Absolutely. Um, I mean, and that's the thing, too, that used to really irk me, too, the, the tastemakers and you know the lazy journalism that Screeching Weasel or just a whimsical Ramones ripoff, and you get songs like, I want to be a homosexual or Mary was an anarchist or science and myth or it's all in my head. And it's like, you know, there, it was more multidimensional than just, you know? Yeah. But ben had a lot to say in those lyrics, dude, you know? Yeah. They're a lot I deeper mean, than your average Ramones song. Nothing to, not to take anything I, away from the Ramones, but you know what I mean? I mean even, the, even the lyrics said, Jeannie's got a problem with her uterus are you know, not half-assed, right. just throw away. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. So that they used to bug me that some of the other bands that were in favor in you know flavor of the of of that period of time were bestowed with more accolades because and like well lyrically Ben's the better lyricist here, um, but not be that as a yeah. No justice, man. No justice. If there right was. <laughs> I mean, in a perfect world, Screeching Weasel, you guys should have been millionaires, dude. I mean, that, that shit's great. I mean, it's so good. It's just so good. Yeah. So, yeah. So, the next matchup we have, One Step Beyond versus Make Way. One Step Beyond. Yeah, One Step Beyond. Yeah. Love it. I do, too. I do, too. Make Way is a fucking great Riverdale song, though. Can't discount that. Yeah. But one yeah. step beyond will 
we'll move one step beyond. All right, so the next matchup we have Time Bomb versus. Is it the is it the, is it the uh, Screeching Weasel song or the Madness song that we're talking about? <laughs> Didn't know you were a part of Madness, but uh, I, I, no, prefer, I, I prefer Weasel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the next matchup Time Bomb or All Screwed Up? All Screwed Up. All day. Hmm. What you got, Panic? Oh man, I don't know. Um, all screwed I'll, up. Uh, well, yeah. well, uh, yeah. I might go with that one. Although, totally. Panic's got me all screwed up. <laughs> I might, yeah. might go for all screwed up. Totally. Such a killer chorus, man. And guitar solo. Like I love how it stops. You rest there for a second and the guitar comes in i love that yeah all right two other bangers in the next round we got falling apart or voodoo doll falling apart oh uh, nate's a voodoo doll guy yeah um i love both those songs i'll go voodoo doll okay so i gotta break it I, song, I would so. say <laughs> falling apart it's a great one it just seems more like uh, immediate. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> the next round, you'll be in my dreams today, or the fucking banger. Back to you. Back to you. Back to you. Yeah, all day long. <laughs> and and I know that bark like a dog doesn't get a, a lot of love from from some screeching weasel yeah. aficionado. Oh, I love but, it, um, but but I th- I think it's an underrated album. We, I would replace "Stupid Girl." We did, um, I think we laid down the basic tracks for uh, a song called "Stupid World," and it ended up not. I don't think Ben put uh, vocals on it, but I thought that was a, a a far more superior song than "Stupid Girl" on there, and he ended up changing it to a different indifferent world on um, one of his solo albums uh, i love that song in a perfect yeah. world is that the one yeah 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 that's a good fucking song man and definitely that's better cool. than stupid girl to my yeah, ear. i think that's that's my <laughs> least favorite song on that album yeah mine is probably uh the one about your name is tattooed on my heart or whatever i like that song man do you i'm not a big yeah. fan of that one when that record that came was, out, I didn't like it at all, man. It took me a while to get into that one. That was funny because that that was just me doing that, just the drum roll on the the floor tom, and I think yeah. I did that for like eight to ten minutes, <laughs> like one take. It was so it's just like okay, yeah. So it was just me doing that for like eight ten minutes. Wow, that must have been fun. It sounded really cool in the room because it was a it was a it was a big room, and so it just had this sort of like this ominous sort of yeah like helicopter yeah sort of like ominous apocalypse now sort of yeah it's pretty cool. All right, fellas. So the next one, next round, we have "Don't Let Them Beat My Baby" or "To Go Home." Arguably the best. Ghouly slow jam. I'm gonna go for 
to go home. Nate? Um, don't let him beat my baby. Yeah? So it's yeah. tied. I'm going to have to say I love both those songs. Yeah, though. they're both really great. But I'd go with the ghoulies on this one, man. Ah, I had to give Vapid a little love. So I hear you. Nothing wrong with showing okay. Kepi some either, though. All right, so now we're moving into round two. Round two. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> round two, 500, please. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'll need your answers in the form of a question, please. Okay, so. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this time we have 99 versus My Brain Hurts. My Brain Hurts. What is my brain hurts? <laughs> oh, sorry. That's right. I did. <laughs> All right. Science of myth or one step beyond? Uh, what is science of myth? <laughs> Nate? One step beyond. I got to go with science oh, of myth to break that one. You yeah, know you me would. and that song. Let's just... I think when we did our... We did a Screeching Weasel Sweet 16. It was just straight weasel and that one, the whole damn thing, didn't it? Yep. That was just random songs, though, too. Wasn't I noticed it? you guys didn't have uh, too many Twinkies on there. Uh, is that a <laughs> misprint? Or... I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. We tend to go for the poppier <laughs> ones, if possible. Yeah. A little bit. A little melody. Never heard me Oh, that's all. extraordinarily poppy. Yeah. Very topical, too. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Uh, Let's okay, see. so now we got all screwed up or falling apart. Falling apart. Okay, Nate. Uh, falling apart. Okay. What would you uh, say, Jody? I would have probably went with all screwed up on that one. I've always really liked that song a lot. All right, final one in round two is Back to You versus To Go Home. Back to You. Back to You. Yeah. <laughs> Back to You is really good. Hey, what would you think when that, that song ended up in that movie? What would you think of that? Um, well, that was uh, thanks to uh, Green Day. So um, it's just, um, from what I remember of it, uh, it's a solid soundtrack. Um, the Muffs are in there. Uh, Ash uh goldfinger their uh their song goldfinger i like that one a lot wait no that's not no i think jack names the planets i'll have to look at it but the weezer you gave me your love to me softly that's a great song yeah smoking popes um yeah i don't remember that soundtrack but i do remember back in the day i didn't know that the song was in the movie and i walked into like a blockbuster video and all uh-huh. of a sudden I heard back to you and I'm like going, what the fuck is going on in here? Like, no one knows this song, you know what I'm saying? It really tripped me out and it turned out that it was on that movie. They were playing it in the fucking store. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that, that soundtrack is, uh, it's uh, Love Spit Love, The Squeeze, yeah. The Goo Goo Dolls, Ash, Tilt, Green Day, More <laughs> Ash, uh, Josh Katerer. I, I never know how to pronounce that guy's name from the Popes. Katerer. Him, uh, the Muffs, Dancehall Crashers, Riverdale's, of course, Sun 60, Mazzy Star. Wow, Mazzy uh, Star. Pansy Division, Rivers Cuomo. 
Yeah. Well, no, that's who wrote it. I'm sorry, I'm going down the list. Weezer, of course. Uh, uh, Squeezebox, hmm. and uh, David Johansson. So. Huh. What a dis- and it keeps diverse going. set of artists, man. Even yeah. Johansson's yeah. on there, huh? Yeah, as, actually, as, like, there's Buster there's, Poindexter or whatever. Yeah, as Buster Poindexter, yeah. That shit's terrible. Um, Peter Gabriel, um, another po- Smoke and Pope song. Sorry, there's two Smoke and Pope songs. I just I was going down r- by, written by and before, so. And yeah. Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel, yeah. It's a pretty diverse soundtrack, man. It's all yeah. over the place. Pretty good, actually. I, pretty I've never cool. had it. So. No, me either. I think I've got a copy of. I think I've got a CD of it somewhere. But I think some of the songs that you mentioned aren't on the physical soundtrack, but they're in the movie. Oh, it's in the movie, yeah. yeah. But most most of them that you mentioned uh, are on the soundtrack. Right yeah. So when you're involved, when you're involved in a soundtrack like that, Dan, do, are you invited to like premieres and stuff or anything like that? Oh no, no. I know if you like do the score for the movie, I think you get a little bit more cred. But no, I think we were. No, I've never been. And apparently, uh, Screeching Weasel song on Jennifer's Body soundtrack too. Um, someone had told me at, at where I was working at the time, like, "Oh yeah, your song's in the soundtrack of Jennifer's Body." So really? what song? I don't, I don't, do you remember what I song? I think it's the cover of "I Can See Clearly." Oh, okay. I was thinking maybe it was the when you guys did that thing like Shirley's on Methadone or whatever. The alternate. Um, I've never seen the movie or seen the physical copy of the the soundtrack, but I'm just going on what right. someone told me. That's cool. But uh, apparently, allegedly, purportedly, and all those other lees. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Didn't know that. Yeah. All right, so now we're moving into round three. Round three. Got my brain hurts versus the science of myth. It's a tough one, right there. My brain hurts. My brain hurts. You guys are clearly <laughs> sick. <laughs> okay, so too right. many Twinkies. Right. Brain hurts will advance. Okay, so falling apart or back to you. Back to you. Okay. Back to you. Yeah. Final round. So, round four, it all comes down into the end, man. My brain hurts or back to you? Back to you. Where are you going, Jody? Out of those choices, I'd have to go with a song that mentions a chocolate ice cream bar, I think. (laughs) Someone's hungry. (laughs) <laughs> totally yeah I'm going my brain hurts in that matchup so I'm the tiebreaker you're the tiebreaker no pressure no pressure dude. so I, I I go with uh, Vapid who is Vapid's best song I think or I go with uh, uh, one of my favorite Screeching Weasel songs that's got those awesome fucking drum fills by yeah. Panic uh, yeah. I gotta go um, my brain hurts ding ding Ding, yep. ding, you're a winner, yep. sir. <laughs> <laughs> it only stands to reason. You get panic on the show. My brain hurts wins. That's you perfect. You know what I mean? It all works out as it should. Recount. Recount. <laughs> <laughs> Getting collusion here. You're right. Uh, 
boy. I think that's a pretty good representation of, you know, early Danny Panic. I mean, you're ripping shit, and it's a melodic, great song. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hell yeah. So my brain hurts. We'll take it. Yeah, I think it's about that time, man. Danny, thanks so much for coming on, dude. This has been awesome for us. Oh, thank you. Um, No, I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I was, uh, you know, pleasantly surprised and I said I, I don't you know take the sort of stuff for granted so I appreciate uh, your time and everything uh, it means a lot and I know you guys are on a different uh, time schedule and you both have families so uh, I appreciate your uh, taking the time right on, man yeah we're very honored to have you man we're both I mean huge weasel maniacs obviously and you know to have someone like you that's been on these records we've been listening to since we were kids, man. It's just super cool for us. So thanks so much. Oh, my, my pleasure. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks man. Thank you for your uh, patronage and enthusiasm. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you, man. And have a great okay. holiday season, man. And we'll talk to you soon. I hope. Thank you guys. All Absolutely. Right. Yep. All right. Thanks Dan. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. And the jolliest bunch of assholes this side of the nut house. Alright, man. Uh what'd you think, Jody? Was that cool or what? That was super cool. A lot of fun, man. And uh, you know, he gave us so much cool information and time, man. We <laughs> can't thank him enough. So if you're still listening yeah. right now, Danny, thanks so much, man. Yeah, I uh Danny America, man. That's so funny. Yeah, that was a surprise. I knew about the sewer cap thing, but I never heard Danny America. Yeah. Kind of like yeah. that. <laughs> I'm not surprised it didn't stick, you know, but Right. Um Yeah, that's 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 super funny. Um yeah, that was uh that was fun, man. A uh, guy I never thought we'd I'd ever talk to. Yeah, yeah. me either, man. That was really cool. And you know, uh, like we both are big fans of everything he's done. You know, he's done so much cool stuff. Yeah, he basically just told us too that they're gonna reunite, right? <laughs> yeah, it's be a reunion. Fingers crossed, right? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, that, that ain't cool. happening. But. You never know, dude. <laughs> Maybe like yeah, this will be the will be the catalyst for that. We did forget to reunion. ask him about if he had any insight into that twenty seven thing, but uh, maybe next yeah. time. Yeah, next time. So, anyways. Uh, Great Christmas episode, and next week will be the end of the year where we will not be doing a uh, best of our top ten albums of the year. Nothing like that, because, yeah, we're not going to do it. So we got something else pretty cool lined up that we're going to do, and uh, I guess we'll just uh, see you next week. Yeah. I don't know. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it, and, uh, yeah, like they said, we'll see you next week. See ya.
Thanks for listening to The Dummy Room. Happy holidays. See you next week.